It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Shot on scorenorth.com and the Score North app. Now you can use two guys. You can go lefty, righty, play the hot hand if you'd like to. This is a big signing for the Twins. Have they done enough to compete with the White Sox here? They have. They, they're still the team to beat. I, I believe you Twins are. are. They, they, they okay. still okay. are the team to beat in that division. I, I get it. The White Sox, they're the now team that, you know, they made some tremendous strides last year. But I do know this. The Twins, in my opinion, are still the best team in that division. And the White Sox are going to have to run them down. Whoa, that was that was like 27 seconds of Mark DeRosa on MLB Network just dousing himself in Twins division Kool-Aid, Judd. It's very, very exciting stuff. I mean, here we had told people, right? Just be patient. Like the three rules of this show That's right. all winter were what? <laughs> be patient. Yeah. Trust. Alvi and Levine have a plan. Trust in the Twins. Trust in the poll ads. Exactly right. And and it will be a peaceful transition from the 2020 <laughs> to 21 yeah. Twins. That's what we've been saying. And people are like, oh, be quiet. They're not doing enough. Okay? They have we right. division titles, baby. That's yeah. what we do. Yeah. It's happening. It's happening. So, uh, so we've, got, we've got that. It's a reckless speculation Thursday, and there's also news to react to. So we'll do that. We'll welcome in our friend Darren Doogie-Wolfson into the conversation for a scoop session. Federated Mutual Insurance Company is here to help business owners, just as they have been for over 100 years, based in Owatonna, Minnesota. And Federated recently launched MyShield, the online client destination for risk management resources. As a business owner, how helpful would it be for you to have employee training at your fingertips? Industry resources that can help your business reach another level of success. That's where Federated comes in with MyShield. MyShield and all the different resources that MyShield provides gives you peace of mind as a business owner when it comes to risk management. Find out more at federatedinsurance.com. Click on MyShield or download the app. And remember, at Federated, it's our business to protect yours. TCL is a proud sponsor of the Score North Studios. Enjoy more of the things you love with TCL. These two guys have Minnesota sports flowing in their veins. Mackie and Judd on Score North and scorenorth.com. Reckless speculation. It is a reckless speculation Thursday here on Mackie and Judd. And uh, we're going to get our friend Darren Doogie Wolfson on the show a little bit later on. Old tweets exposed as well. Jimmy Garoppolo edition. Really? Jimmy Garoppolo edition. Wow. There's some t- Mackie's got a lot, actually. We have a few Mackie I remember takes. being a little bit higher on Jimmy Garoppolo than I, in retrospect, should have been. Okay. So. All right, so we'll we'll do that later. And uh Joe, we're going to we're going to let you choose your own adventure here off the top of the show. Do you want right. to start with the good news in Minnesota sports or the bad news? What do you want to do first? Let's see here. Um what happens more often? What did I see most 
recently and what's my personality like? The bad news. All right, Dex, let's fire up uh, Wolves post-game clips here. You know, that's hey, you win as a group and, and you lose as a group. It's not one player. It's not, you know, one, you know, it's hey, it's them, it's me, it's, you know, the assistants, it's everyone here. Um, we, we just got to keep coming together, you know, in those situations. So I'm not going to put everything on, the, on those guys not retaining information there because they're trying to do the right things. Hmm. Uh, Ricky Rubio was actually more specific in his blame. He's been very hard on himself. And by the way, the Wolves had a double-digit lead in the fourth quarter against San Antonio, a San Antonio team that is uh, without superstars but still has like 25 years of great Greg Popovich DNA. Uh, They may not have Tim Duncan in his prime or Manu Ginobili or even Kawhi Leonard, but they aren't just going to roll over down 15 or 20 points. You still have to do something to beat them. And the Timberwolves something last night was literally rolling over and playing dead for the last 10 minutes of that game. And they wind up losing. Uh, Ricky Rubio Judd, who has been pretty terrible this season, but also self-aware. Like, he has gone on the record a number of times saying, I need to be better. Um, I'm, you know, I need to find my game, etc. Well, last night, here's his quote. Tonight, we could see that we were not ready to play in a close game. And it showed we better figure out which plays we want to run at the end to know exactly where the ball has to be and who we're looking for. So last <laughs> night, for those who missed it, and uh, I'm guessing almost everybody probably missed it just based on the state of the Timberwolves. Last night, the Timberwolves basically ran one play for the last 10 minutes. D'Lo dribbling the air out of the ball or Ricky dribbling the air out of the ball as they watched the double-digit lead go down the toilet. And when you look at these quotes from Ricky Rubio... He's not saying what Ryan said. Ryan's like, it's all of us. You can't just blame it. It's all of us. Ricky is basically saying we aren't running the right plays, and that's either on Ryan or, my interpretation, D'Lo. I think he's annoyed by both when I read these. What were your thoughts when you saw yet another Timberwolves meltdown last night, Judd? Well, one, I I appreciated the fact that Ricky was brought back because of the fact that he was going to come back as now the Wolves sage, right? He was going to be the guy in the locker room to help out Cat and to help this team. And I, I think the first 16 times that I read his quotes, <laughs> basically accepting responsibility, I thought, that's good. But this was the 17th time, and now I'm sick of this. I'm sick of after every game, you're going to be the spokesman to tell us what went wrong and to and to tell us it's just, you know, it's it's, it's so difficult, but we have to learn. We have to, I'm sick of learning, okay? Uh, that's the first thing. The second thing is, is this does flat out come down to a few things, but let's go after it. Let's just talk about the elephant in the Wolves room. It's the coaching, Phil. Uh, you're up by 16 points last night, okay? LaMarcus Aldridge is not playing. Rudy Gay is not playing. The San Antonio Spurs have one player who can really, really get you. DeMar DeRozan, correct? Like they've got, they've got some good players beyond him, but he's the guy, he's the sniper. He's the guy who's going to destroy you if you're going to be destroyed and lose a 16 point lead, which the Wolves did, by the way, by giving up a 20 to two run. All right. So I take you back to January 9th. January 9th at Target Center, the Wolves lose in overtime to the Spurs, 125 to 122. It's a bad loss. It's a fairly fun game, but it's a bad loss. DeRozan in that game does not take a shot in the first quarter. I think he takes his first shot of the game uh, at the 10-minute mark with that much time left in the second quarter. He goes on to score 38 points, including including 13 in the fourth. All right? So what do we have for a game plan last night? 
we're not going to let DeMar DeRozan come hell or high water beat us, right? Like, that's the credo. That's the, we know what the kryptonite for us is, and it is this really good player. Last night, DeMar DeRozan does not go off for 38. He only goes off for 30. However, this time he goes off for 16 in the fourth quarter. And, and I mean, we can also examine, Phil, the final possession. What are you doing? You've got two timeouts left. And to use a great sports term, you lollygag the ball up from, I think there's 18 seconds left. You get her down to eight seconds, and then you call a timeout. What are you doing there? Um, this just so much, with or without Cat, I'm sorry. And yes, Ryan's a great kid, but this goes to, they might not have the right players to across the, the board because I do have doubts about some guys, but just when it comes to coaching, what were you doing? What are you doing? What is the philosophy here? So I just watched that game last night again and watched the Wolves collapse, which they are are so adroit at doing. And I said, this really tonight to me comes down to largely coaching. Uh, I, and I, and I, I wish I was educated enough to sit here and point out like just why X's and O's, why is this isn't working the way that it should there are other smarter Wolves bloggers who do a great job doing uh, those things. Key Sang is one of them, a uh, friend of the show that you can you can follow on Twitter. So if you want like video breakdown, I think there's another account called like Timberwolves Talk. There are Wolves bloggers that are breaking down on a daily basis, depressingly, why Game certain more. things aren't working. Um, but my, so so I'm going to give you a, I'm going to give you my amateur observation, and then I'm going to give you a stat, okay, mm-hmm. that shows that either philosophy or X's and O's or, or, or chemistry, that, that something is amiss. And to this point, coaching has been unable to snap the wolves out of it. And I'll preface by saying Carl Anthony Towns is an elixir to some extent. Like, obviously, he's their best player by a mile. He's one of the 10 best offensive players in the NBA. And if you put him on this team, they probably win that game last night. But there are underlying things that just don't make sense. Number one... When you're in a close game in the fourth quarter, okay, on offense, especially the last 10 games, Anthony Edwards has kind of figured it out a little bit. Like, you can see scoring 20 points a game over the last couple of weeks. He's more confident getting to the rim. He's still not the most efficient scorer, but, like, that dude can get to the rim at will, and he can shoot some threes. Like, he can get hot and carry you for a half. He's nowhere to be found in that fourth quarter last night. Malik Beasley is one of the best three-point shooters in the NBA. 20 points a game. He's a guy that can carry you. Why are you not running like six offensive plays or more? 10 offensive plays from Malik Beasley in the fourth quarter last night. Like, why is he basic? Like, why? Also, like, he should probably be playing more minutes, too, which is which is another thing. He's not the best defensive player, but this team is not great at defense. So you should put your best offenses on the court in the key moments. And D'Lo, I get like I get that D'Lo is trying to be a poor man's James Harden by dribbling the air out of the ball and taking step back shots and whatnot. But it's like, dude, you're not that good. You aren't good enough to do what James Harden does. And I don't know if it's like the Gerson Rosas front office Rockets thing where they view D'Lo as a James. If we can just mold him, he's going to turn into James Harden. And like that's a pipe dream. Certainly not a reality right now. Okay, so that my amateur observation is. I need more Malik and I need more Ant Edwards in those situations because those guys can get their shots and those guys are just better on offense in those situations. And the other thing that just blows my mind, okay, you go to basketball reference and they have like a million different stats you can look at. And the one that stands out the most to me, 
They have four. They have they have five, four, three, and two man lineup combinations. You can look at like when these five guys are on the court at the same time, or when this pairing is on the court at the same time. You can see, you know, how good are they, how bad are they, in all these different categories. So, in terms of team points per one hundred possessions, the Rubio and D'Lo pairing on the court is one of the worst two man pairings statistically. In the NBA, when those guys are on the court together, the Wolves are a minus 25 points per 100 possessions, which is like it's, it's generally about the length of a game or so. There's probably more possessions, but but like you you put those guys on the court together this year and they've been on the court together for like, I want to say like 150 minutes or something. So it's, it's not a super small sample size and they are a minus 25 per 100 possessions. And I, and I was just kind of searching through different teams. I honestly couldn't find any pairings that were that bad and given 100 minutes on the court together. So either A, the Wolves are oblivious to this, which I find hard to believe because it's a very analytically rooted front office and coaching staff, right? It's not like it was five or ten years ago. So either A, they're oblivious to it, which I find hard to believe. B, they know about it, and they're still running these guys out there in crunch time against the San Antonio Spurs, a very well-coached, maybe not superstar laden, but well-coached team. Or C, they know about it, and they just think that, like, well, this is the game where those guys are going to figure it out together. Well, like what evidence has shown you in the first two months of the season that Rubio plus D'Lo on the court together, which was this originally it was this like, boy, it's going to be Rubio with Booker and it's going to be Rubio with um, what's his name from the uh, Donovan Mitchell from the Utah Jazz. Like that was the dream. And I fed into that, too. But the reality is when those guys are on the court together, Judd, it's a disaster and they keep doing it late in games, and then they wonder, like, well, we just we we get away from the things that we aren't like. You're what do you mean? You're you're putting the worst two man combo you possibly could on the court. Of course, you're going to give up a 15 point run. Sorry, I'm done. <laughs> yeah, no, no. And to you know, back up your point about last night's um, fourth quarter as well. Ant, no shots, no shots. Dude, that's nuts. These, and Delo's Delo's taking like step back shots from the elbow with no play run. Like, what are you doing? And he took eight shots. He took eight shots. And and Beasley, who had a great game, who scored twenty nine points. He was twelve for eighteen from the field. He was four of eight on threes. Phil, he took four shots. And explain to me this. So like like let's strip away everything but the last play. Okay. Explain to me how for your last inbounds pass, out of a timeout, out of a timeout, you draw up, not a play for Beasley, which I would have gotten if it seemed forced because he's the hot hand, right? But you end up, as as to your point, with D'Angelo Russell taking what looks like a shot that, that was hurried and didn't come out of a timeout at dude, all. Dude. Like, expl- just explain that one thing to me. It's not like... It is. I know what they were trying to do with the D'Lo thing. It was all right. If if we can just if we can maximize, let's bring him in. If we can maximize him, playoff Towns. And and in fairness, he's only played like five games with Towns. And him running pick and roll with Towns is sort of the dream here. Like that's what yep. that's what they want to do, and they haven't been able to do it. But much like the Vikings offense that we talk about all the time, well, we want to run the ball and we want to we want to get out by ten points and lean on someone. Well, guess what? You're not always going to have everyone healthy. You're not always going to get the game flow that you want. You got to make adjustments. And in the fourth quarter last night, 
you've got two of your best offensive options, or at least guys that can create shots. They're just standing around doing nothing, watching a poor, poor, poor man's James Harden run around and take ridiculous shots with a hand in his face. It's like, dude, you're not you're you're not that good. You're not good enough to just dribble the air out of the ball for the fourth quarter against a well coached team like San Antonio. They weren't running any like discernible ball movement sets that I could see with my amateur eyes. Like what are they what were they right. doing last night? Right. Well and, and this they were the tanking key. last night, I guess. Yeah, and this is the thing that even with Cat back, I think we have now seen enough to realize that the key here is is when Cat comes back and you've got Russell and Cat and if you have your ideal lineup on the floor, I think what we've seen is you need a coach who's not Tibbs. You do not need a guy to come in and scream and, and yell and try to run guys into the ground. But I think what you do need is a stabilizing veteran coach who has a plan. And Ryan doesn't. And, and look, Ryan's a kid. He's young. He got this job too soon, but I, I was more than willing at the time to see what path that took and not just say, oh, you know, forget this. Yeah. Um, but I think we've seen enough now. You need a, a veteran coach. He doesn't have to be old, but he has to have experience who can stabilize this. Because the one thing that this fr- franchise, again, and this has been a continuing story, but the one thing that they don't have is stability. Like they don't have anybody. There is no way that when you lead a good but not great Spurs team by 16 points in the second half, Phil, there is no way on God's green earth that the announcing team for the Wolves should be lamenting what they deem to be bad calls late in that game. How do you even get there? Why are you there? Like, why are you worried about that Beasley didn't get a call? You were up by 16. Like there, there were times where I thought they should be up by 25. Um, but I really think that we, the most important thing here is stability as far as the coaching goes, yeah. probably. Yeah. I mean, you saw, you saw one, one team that was very clearly coached by one of the three greatest basketball coaches of all time with a bunch of backups and they're just kind of in transition. Right. And you saw what that team buttoned up. They know what they're running. They know what the wolves weaknesses are and they're attacking those weaknesses all throughout the fourth quarter. And the wolves look like a chaotic mess. Like, uh, D'Lo, uh, Rubio, just, uh, figure it out. And and this team was going to be bad. Even with Towns, they probably weren't going to be a playoff team, right? right. Without Towns, they're right. definitely going to be bad. Uh, and so, but it's not about them. It's they are so much worse and more chaotic than they should be. And that ultimately is an indictment on everybody, like Ryan said. But Ryan himself, and it was a long shot to say that he was going to just jump in as the youngest coach in the history of the NBA and like have it figured out. Um, and it ju- it just feels like everyone is in the deep end every single time there's a fourth quarter. Like that's what it feels like. Um, all right, good news. The good news. Let's fire this up here. I got it. High fastball, cut him down, and the Sox win the opener in Kansas City. Call him a and the bullpen. Hang on. One, two. One more cutter, and that's all. Sox win the series. Two and two. He struck him out, and the Sox win the opener. Two two. Olsen strikes out swinging, and Colome gets the save. The White Sox with a very impressive overall performance. All right, the Twins. The Twins went out, and they signed one of the most established closers in the entire league, Alex Colome. Last year, in a shortened season, he pitched 22 and a third innings for the White Sox, had 12 saves, a .81 earned run average. He spent a couple years, actually spent like five years with the Tampa Bay Rays, 
uh, between 2013 and 17. He throws in the mid to upper 90s. He has 138 career saves, and his career earned run average does is 2.95, and he's a ground ball guy. So he's going to kill some worms and give Andrelton Simmons and Jock Donaldson some things to keep them from getting bored in the field. He'll walk a few guys once in a while, and he'll walk the he'll walk the plank a little bit. He's like a harder throwing Eddie Gordado, probably a little bit better version of Eddie Gordado. Yeah. Um, but the Twins bullpen, as far as I can see now, if they make no other moves, Colomay yep. is the closer. He's a righty. And then you got as your main setup guys, I think you still have Taylor Rogers and Tyler Duffy. And then some combination of like Jorge Alcala, who I love. Jorge Alcala, Cody Stashak, Caleb Thielbar as the other lefty, and then Hansel Robles, uh, who also has, has closing experience. And he kind of takes over that Tyler Clippard role. Um, mm-hmm. and, and maybe they have an eighth reliever in there somewhere. But how do you feel about this signing and the Twins bullpen now? Sideways hat guy. So I, I have turned my hat. In solidarity with Colome, my Mets cap at an angle itself right now, okay? So, the so I'm going to do this entire conversation like that. Torrey Hunter was a sideways hat guy a little bit in the outfield. He'd, he'd, he'd crank it over after a nice catch. Uh, Fernando Rodney yeah. was a sideways Fernando hat Rodney. guy. Yeah, I think yep. that had something to do with his family, though. I, I think that was there yes, was like a reason father. for that. Um, but, and, but, yes, it's a good move, and, and here's why. So, so I will fully admit that I was on the impatient train of when are these guys going to make some moves, right? We all were. Yep. Let, let's just call a spade a spade here. But let me let me tell you where, where Falvey and Levine, I think, have struck sort of financial gold here, and it's this. Sergio Romo's option, which was not picked up for 2021, Phil, was due to be $4.75 million, Okay. That's a fairly good chunk of change for a guy who talked a lot. And he was a fun guy. And he was okay, but he certainly was not great. Okay. Yeah. They bought they bought him out for 250000 bucks. That's pretty good. But here's where the deal is really good. Colome signs uh, 2021 with a basically a team option for 2022. But his salary for 2021, $5 million. In other words, for approximately the exact same price, they got Colome over Romo, and if I was have, to have come to you a month ago or two months back and said Romo back or, or sign Colome, oh, man. I think we all say Colome. sign Colome. Hell yes, Dude, he, right? Also worth noting, Trevor oh, Trevor May signed for like eight million dollars, right? Wasn't mm-hmm. like a two year sixteen million dollar deal with oh, the Mets. Colome Colome is more trustworthy. May has turned into a good reliever, but Colome to me is more trustworthy late late in games than Trevor May is. And you got him for three million dollars less, and mm-hmm. uh, and a, and an option for next year. So, oh, tough break for Declan though, because God, it's a dude. five it's a five million dollar first year with a potential five million dollar second year, uh, but it's not a guaranteed second year, and it's a one point two five million dollar buyout, which makes the guaranteed money six point two five million. Ugh. Declan predicted on write that down that the Twins would sign someone for seven million dollars. Oh no! <laughs> oh, Dex, I literally <laughs> first off two. Two oh, people. No. One other person tried to sabotage me on a WWE prediction yesterday. I don't know if you saw that. Yeah, Alex uh, sent me a DM and said, actually, Declan said a former WWE champion. Technically, Christian was a world heavyweight but champion. But that's recognized as the WWE champion. I'm not going to go after Declan for that one. But yeah, the spirit of the I, was, I had to go wow. listen back to it as well because Phil had a hard time understanding. He's like, oh, do you mean AAV? Do you mean this? And then... I like looked back on it and I was like, you got by like what three hundred thousand dollars I was I was short on. <laughs> Classic oh, Declan, write that down. Hey, 
I got a question. What the hell is Casey Fiend's problem? He he was on Twitter again yesterday, and I, I think it, it was Fiend who was um, in the Twins' bullpen a, a few years it back. It was, yeah. He was on Twitter in the last couple of years um, basically denigrating Nelson Cruz because he had been suspended for, I think, more more suspected steroid use that came up. But anyway, um, he was on Twitter again yesterday. Here, I got the Pointing tweet. out the column. A. Yeah, he what's said, his problem? He said the Minnesota Twins and them paying players that have been suspended for steroids. Michael Pineda. And then he incorrectly said Michael Pineda had, has 39 games left on his suspension. Uh, technically, Pineda was suspended for taking a diuretic that was banned, but oftentimes, the, yeah, the, for like yeah. weight loss. I mean, yep. I don't know. Uh, yep. Nelson Cruz got popped like 10 years ago, and then he has Jorge Polanco on his list. That's true. And Alex Colome, also a guy that got popped once for steroids. Yeah. So I don't I don't think the twins are going out and saying, all right, how can we find guys that they know how to beat the steroid system? I think they're just... In the case of like Nelson Cruz, that was so long before, like he had already gone to the Mariners. Uh, Michael Pineda, they'd already signed and then he got, then he got suspended. Right. So yeah, I don't but, know. I mean, yeah, obviously they have some steroid guys on their roster, but I don't know. But what, my question is, did, did Casey Fiend think that Casey Fiend was good and, and like somehow got screwed by the twins? I don't like, think, he, I don't think he likes the way that it ended with the twins. I think there's some, what, what, do you know why? I mean, you were there when you were covering yeah. when he was there. Um, I, I do remember one time. I think Casey got in trouble with Ron Gardenhire for wearing like flip flops and ripped jeans around the like for road trips. Oh god! So I, I think he was a little bit. He's a he was a good pitcher. I think he might he have was. been just sort of aloof guy too. Um, that doesn't have really anything to do with the argument he's making on Twitter. But I don't I don't know that he is the foremost authority on like 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 is he saying that these guys just shouldn't ever play again? Like there's a there's a suspension system in place. If any of these guys get popped again, they get suspended for like a full season, and then a third time, it's like a you know whatever a ban. Uh, so I don't know. I don't know. But I have never seen a Casey Fiend um, steroid tweet tied to a different team. Like it, it would be different if he was the steroid police around baseball. And he just doesn't like the Twins. He just does not like the Twins. But it's like, dude, just get over it. Yeah. Uh, like you weren't that good. I know. Super weird. So all right, so that's the good news. The bad news. Uh, the bad news is pretty on point for the last thirty years of Timberwolves basketball, outside of when Kevin Garnett was here. And the Twins are making some moves, just as we said all along. Oh, never totally. a doubt. We never oh, got no. impatient at all. Uh, we're going to talk to our friend Darren Doogie Wolfson from Five Eyewitness News and get the lowdown on Minnesota sports. And we stopped doing things like gasoline. Um, and that's been a theme in, in some of these. Uh, some of these losses, you know, I thought we played played a, a solid three quarters, and then we stopped doing things, you know, that got us there offensively and defensively. Reckless speculation. All right, as uh, as reckless speculation uh, commences here, Darren Doogie Wolfson from Five Eyewitness News and the Scoop Podcast, Apple, Spotify, ScoreNorth.com, and the ScoreNorth app. And last night, Jukes, we'll get to all kinds of stuff. We'll get to some Viking stuff. Um, twins have been active since we last talked, but the Timberwolves, like the bar isn't, the bar is literally an inch off the floor. Like no one is asking for a championship. Nobody's asking for anything grandiose. We're just asking for something that looks watchable. And what they did in the fourth quarter yesterday against a depleted but very well-coached San Antonio Spurs team I don't know if it was rock bottom, because I think rock bottom has probably happened a few times this year, but 
What did you make of that meltdown last night? Um, and we'll ask the question for like the fourth straight week. What's the status of Ryan Saunders? It continues. I think, by the way, we can also get to the wild. They are actually undergoing COVID testing as we speak. Yeah. So if you want to get into the wild at some point, we can do that. But Phil, it, it continues a theme. They are atrocious in the fourth quarter. This is not rock bottom. In this very segment, just what, a couple weeks ago, it was a Wednesday night game where their win probability was like 99.9% in the final couple minutes, and they lost that game. Now, last night, up 16, 10 minutes to go, the win probability was slightly below 98%. So that was close to rock bottom. You're not supposed to lose a game when you're up 16 with 10 minutes to go, but they've actually done worse just this calendar year let alone examples of, of the last year or two, the, the Sacramento game from last season, the Oklahoma City game from last season. I mean, it's one debacle after another. As far as Ryan Saunders goes, I get it. If, Phil, you want to call for his head right now, I don't – I'm not in a position to offer a whole lot of resistance. Judd, if you want to call for his head, Declan, yeah. go for it. I'm not in a position to, to, to say you're nuts. Like, go for it. If you want to, go for it. I'm not convinced, though – that hiring David Vanterpool or Prigioni or Gates as the interim coach is going to change a whole lot. But I completely get it, the idea that you bring in a new coach, that it wouldn't be fourth-quarter debacle after fourth-quarter debacle. I still want to see Ryan coach Pat with D'Lo, with Anthony Edwards, for more than five games. Let's reach a conclusion After the season, I also think there's still a reasonable chance this calendar year, if not this calendar year, maybe a year from now, that Glenn Taylor has sold the team, allow the new owner not only to make a call on Ryan Saunders' future, but make a call on Gerson Rosas' future. Because you can make a case, if you're going to fire Ryan, you also fire Gerson Rosas. Okay, Doogie, let's go uh, back to the game last night, though. And you you are a basketball uh, a student of the game, uh, a guy that loves the game and breaks it down. So explain this as far as Ryan goes, because this has nothing to do with the players. Explain the last possession and sequence. Uh, two timeouts left, I think 18 seconds left. Uh, Wolves have the ball. They don't use a timeout, so they actually have to bring the ball up the court. There's now eight seconds left, and of course, pop fouls. Wolves get the ball call a timeout, and set up what looks to me to be almost a hurried and poor shot by Russell when Beasley is having a fantastic game. I don't look at that. Now, I don't like the shot uh, by D'Angelo, but I don't look at that as a player problem. I look at that as I, as a guy who is not a student of the game of basketball. I look at that as an abuse of the game of basketball as far as what the coaching should be. So just like take me through what you think the thought process is there because there does not seem to be, when it comes to coaching and players here, and I don't think this changes with Cat, there does not seem to be any stability here of somebody who can sort of put their thumb on things and say, okay, at least we're going to have a coherent plan of what we're going to do. And that, to me, is exhibit A, if I am going to fire Saunders as my case. I understand that. I don't know if I would use the word abuse, Judd, but do I think it was a miscalculation to wait to call the timeout when he had multiple timeouts? Yes. I mean, you could have played a two-for-one type game or, you know, go for the two, foul, and then get another possession, a two-for-possession. The shot they got off was was atrocious. 
that was D'Lo for for a good portion of the fourth quarter, right? It was it was him trying to play hero ball. You're right. Malik Beasley had his best game on the road. He's been their best player this year. You had to get him more touches there in the fourth quarter, more shooting opportunity. So I understand it was not it was not a good coaching decision, but I still think that there is something to be said. People don't want to hear this, but there's something to be said about about the youth. There's also something to be said about the youth on the bench. Like, I think about the Philadelphia staff. Dave Yeager is an assistant coach. Like, could you imagine if the Wolves had Dave Yeager Jagerbombs. on their staff? Jagerbombs. So, I get it. You know, people love Vanterpool because his name's been out there for, for head coaching jobs. The defense, by the way, has been better the last two weeks. I should mention that. They're like top 10 in defensive rating over the last couple weeks. The problem has been the offense. They are dead last in offense going back about 11, 12, 13 games offensive rating. So the offense is the problem, not necessarily the defense. But like last night, they had a bunch of really bad defensive possessions. They still give up way too many points in the paint. But I think youth overall, both on the court and on the bench, is is certainly lending itself to to some of these issues. But Judd, I, I completely get it. I'm telling you, if you right now want a monologue that Ryan Saunders needs to be fired, I get it. But it's it's a slippery slope. Like his his mom has ownership in the team. Like it's it's such a weird situation. And I still don't think like they're the only NBA team that is more than three games out of a playoff spot. So as bad as Detroit is and Washington and some of it's the Eastern Conference, but but those teams are at least within three games of a playoff spot. The Timberwolves are literally the only team in the league not within three games of a playoff spot. So if you want to go on a monologue and say it's coaching, that they would have multiple more wins with a different coach, fine, so be it. But even so, with two more wins, guess what? They're still 15th in the Western Conference. They are still rock bottom, even with, with a different coach. That, to me, points to this roster still being incredibly broken, that, that they don't have a functional power forward. You know, with Cat out, Nas Reed is, is good. In, in some instances, he takes a lot of charges. Otherwise, I think he's a train wreck on defense. But he can do some things offensively. Like, you like Nas Reed. But I don't think you want Nas Reed playing 25, 30 minutes right now. So they really don't have a functioning, a real functioning backup center. I think Nas Reed is more like a number three type center that you continue to develop. So the roster has so many holes on it. I just don't know how you dig out of it anytime soon. I'll go back to the question I asked you guys last week when I was in studio. The next time the Wolves make the playoffs, and yes, I do think it's when, not if, even if it's five years from now, seven years from now, ten years from now, when, not if, how many guys that are here now, coaches, front office executives, players, how many guys that are here right now will be here the next time they return to the postseason? I'll tell you my answer as you guys think about it. Maybe one, maybe Anthony Edwards, maybe two. I don't even know if I'd go to two. Like. One, I guess maybe Jaden McDaniels, he's been good. You're not moving him anytime soon. So maybe it's a couple players, but really, like, think about the turnover that is going to happen in the next few years. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I can't remember if you floated this name or not, uh, and maybe you did even today and I just missed it, but a name I think that would be interesting if they do move on from Ryan. So Kenny Atkinson was the coach of the Brooklyn Nets for four years. And he got the most out of D'Angelo Russell in a one-year span. In fact, he took sort of he basically took an anonymous group of Nets players, including like Spencer Dinwiddie and Karis LeVert and those guys. They went they won a playoff game. They went to the playoffs and finished above five hundred a couple years ago. 
He's currently an assistant with the Clippers, I want to say. But that's the type, like somebody who has done it before with sort of an anonymous roster and someone who has a connection to D'Angelo Russell, that's probably the type of guy I would look at if they moved on. 100%. He would be a name I'd look at too. That's another staff, by the way, the Clippers, right? With Ty Lue as the head coach. You know, Chauncey Billups has been around for a while, doesn't have a lot of coaching experience, but he's on that bench. Kenny Atkinson, just Atkinson and Ty Lue. Like, think about the experience with those two guys, right? Pointing to, to the lack of experience on on the Wolves bench, even though Brian Gates has been around forever. But I'm not necessarily counting Brian Gates as as this excellent basketball mind that that has, like, exudes all these leadership qualities. Nice guy, but I think he's in the position that that he's destined to be in for, for a long time. But, yeah. I remember that season. That was what, two, three years ago, Phil? That Brooklyn Nets team started eight and 18. So through 26 games, they were a train wreck. They then went on an unbelievable run. Yes, it helped that they were playing in a very weak Eastern Conference. They actually ascended to the sixth seed. So they were the sixth seed. Correct me if I'm wrong. This is all top ahead, but, Mm -hmm. but I'm pretty positive they ascended to the sixth seed. I think they ended up finishing over 500. Were they they 42 and 40? Yep. Or 43 and 39? And you're right, a pretty nondescript roster. Joe Harris was on that team, and Joe Harris is now, what, a $100 million player. So there were some other good players. Like, if you look at, I think basketball's got a a wins-above-replacement metric if you go to basketball reference. I don't know if Russell was number one that particular year. He was up there. He was really good. But I still wonder if that was an outlier year, Phil. I really, I I, I have to wonder that. I I don't know that D'Angelo Russell is a winning player. He can do some things. No. Don't get me wrong. I mean, if you look no. at his overall clutch numbers, his his career clutch numbers are pretty good. Like he is in many ways an elite shot creator and shot maker. But in terms of of making guys around him better when he decides to pass the ball, I actually think he's a pretty capable passer. But I don't think he's a winning player. He's a negative on defense. The body language, if if you want to go down that road, I mean, it's always hard to you know, really quantify somebody's body language. But like last night in particular, now it doesn't help when you're missing shots, but his body language just looked piss poor last night. I just, like, put it this way. And I was on board with the trade. I mean, it was about one year ago today, right? Give or take a few days. But it was about one year ago today. The Wolves made the trade, bringing in Russell, sending out Wiggins, sending out the future first-round pick. That day, so if we go back a year, Phil, I said yes, I would have done that trade. I was wrong. If you could go back and reverse that trade, even with Andrew Wiggins' warts, if you could go back and reverse that trade just to get back the first-round pick, I think you would have to reverse that trade. How did COVID spread through the wild, and and what, what's the status now? They've canceled, I believe, the ne- or they've postponed, I should say, Dukes. The next four games, February 9th, which I think is next Wednesday, would be their first game back. What's the status of things, though, because – you know, I think Buffalo, the Devils, and and this team have all shut down for a time period. Yeah, and I think it's Vegas, and there's been some other teams, Dallas and Carolina, yep. earlier in the year. So, like the Wild are team number six that's had a a COVID outbreak. How it started, Judd, I, I don't necessarily know. I mean, a couple Kings are now on the COVID list, right? And, and the Wild had those games against the Kings, and then Felino test positive, and, and then it goes from there with, you know, Benino and and Erickson Eck and, and Bukestead and Spurgeon and, and Marcus Johansson, who didn't travel to Denver, but but Johansson is also on on the COVID list. I'll tell you this much, though. So, yeah, so one week from today, they have a game against St. Louis. I was texting with with an unnamed player on background 
This player said he doesn't foresee how the heck they would play that game. So as of now, the NHL has said, okay, no game tonight, no games this weekend, no game next Tuesday against St. Louis. But as of now, the game one week from today, February 11th, is on. But this player said, I just don't know how we return to the practice ice for one day on February 10th and then would be expected to play a game February 11th. The facilities are shut down. So these guys are going to just be sitting around for the most part for the next week. So this player has has all sorts of trepidation about being able to be in a position to play a game one week from today. They are currently undergoing, as we speak here, it's, it's 10.35 Denver time, 11.35 Twin Cities time. They are undergoing testing right now to determine, okay, who can hop on, on the team charter? Who needs to take a, a medical jet back to the Twin Cities if anybody else tests positive? Mm-hmm. Crazy. All right, Duke. So uh, Judd and I have kept a cool head about the Twins and uh, have just preached patience to everybody. We never sounded an alarm at all at any point this offseason. And uh, our patience has paid off. They've made uh, a flurry of activity the last couple weeks. Jay Happ, Nelson Cruz coming back, Alex Colomay. Uh, as the closer. So is this it? Or how many other irons are in the fire right now from what you can tell? Well, the 40-man roster will be full once they announce the, the Colome and, and Cruz deals. But you can always create a spot or two. I mean, there's some relievers on on the 40-man that I think you could get through waivers. So if they need to create a 40-man spot or even two, I think it would be relatively as, as, easy. As Patrick Royce says, just give me a pencil and an eraser and I'll take care of it for you. <laughs> Yeah, now, I would argue that this 40-man roster is deeper than a lot of teams' 40-man rosters. But, yes, if you look at a couple of the arms, I mean, I'm telling you, if if fans want to, just Google Twins 40-man roster, look at it. There will be some pitchers that you see on there that literally, unless you are the ultimate diehard, you've never heard of them. So those guys, in all likelihood, could get through waivers. So, like, can I see the Twins signing maybe one more free agent to a major league contract? I wouldn't necessarily rule that out. There are still so many relievers on the board, and they've had dialogue on a lot of these guys. Justin Wilson, Tyler Clippard. Heck, they've talked to Boris about Rosenthal. They've had conversations about Shane Green, some other guys. Put it this way. It's now February 4th, so a lot of these agents, if if the Twins haven't called them, they are now calling the Twins saying, okay, looks like you guys could use another reliever. What about my guy? So there's, there's a lot of conversations happening. So, like, can I see a scenario? where they add another reliever, I can. Can I see a scenario where they add a starter? I can. I don't think at this point it's going to be Odorizzi or Paxton. I mean, unless Jim Polad says to Derek Falvey and Dave St. Peter, take the payroll higher, I don't foresee a scenario where where they go go big money. Like, those guys want more than half, right? Odorizzi, and and probably rightfully so, right? Like, Odorizzi is probably an $11 or $12 million a year pitcher, right? Paxton is probably a ten, eleven, twelve million dollar a year pitcher. So I don't, I don't see the Twins going that route. But could I see them bringing in somebody on a minor league deal that competes with Randy Dobnak for that fifth spot? Yeah. Now, do I think it's Julio Tehran? I checked on him today. No, the Twins haven't been maintaining dialogue on him. Fulty, the the former Atlanta Brave, the Twins were at his showcase last week. But I was, I was told again this morning that that it's very unlikely that he lands with the Twins. I mean, there's been dialogue, but it looks like he's. He's going to go elsewhere, but there's some other names out there. So I don't have a specific name, but the Twins signing some starter to compete with Dobnak, that wouldn't necessarily surprise me. I will say this much, though, on Dobnak, and I'll admit he's my guy. I had a lengthy conversation with him last Friday. I'll throw that on the podcast. Hopefully I can record a new podcast later today. Randy and I talked for 20, 25 minutes last Friday. Like he, 
he couldn't stop gushing about the the addition of Simmons. Like you think about all the pitchers on the twin staff that induce ground balls. Like nobody induces more ground balls than Randy Dobnek. Like Randy Dobnek is going to benefit as much as anybody from the addition of of Simmons. So I think Randy Dobnek is a capable number five starter. You know, if his ERA is is in the three nine four neighborhood, I think you can be okay with Randy Dobnak as your number five starter. But I can see them bringing in somebody, have that person compete with Randy in March. And if you need to add that guy to the 40-man roster on March 28th, ahead of April 1st opening day, then they can do that. Hey, so with uh, the Twins basically set now, where do we think that they stack up against Chicago as far as – because I think a month ago when the White Sox had signed – Hendricks and made all of their moves, Dukes, that there was a prevailing theory probably accurately that the White Sox had uh, had passed the Twins as far as the favorites in the division. With the Twins now, with Cruz coming back, and with the moves that they made to bring in a couple of outside guys uh, to help them, what's the prevailing theory about the American League Central and who the favorite is going to be going into spring training? Still Chicago? Well, I think until you knock the the champion off off the pedestal, you know, Maybe it's my my Twin Cities bias if, if people want to suggest that. But, you know, they are the two-time defending champions. I don't think the roster has taken any sort of significant step backwards. So, to me, until the Twins are knocked off the pedestal, you know, I'd make the Twins a, a betting favorite. Now, would I make them a heavy betting favorite? No. I think the White Sox have gotten better. Liam Hendricks is, is a really nice signing, right? The best reliever that was on the market, they got him. Lance Lynn is a really nice addition, although I do wonder at 34 years old in the shape he's in if at some point he starts to wear down. Adam Eaton, probably an upgrade over over Mazzara, right? They they punted on Nomar Mazzara, you know, so the offense should be pretty good still, right? They still have all those pieces. They hired a an old manager, but but a capable manager, you know, certainly a manager that that knows the game really well. I think it'll probably come down to, you know, who wants to make a tweak or two during the season or maybe even more than a tweak. You know, like, do the Cubs trade Kyle Hendricks? Would the Twins get in on Kyle Hendricks middle of the season? Or do they revisit talks? They've talked to the Reds. Do they revisit talks in June or July on, on Castillo or Sonny Gray? Like, to me, there's there's another move. It might be a big move that's in season, not now. But but to me, of those two teams, who's the next team that makes that big move? Even if it's four or five months from now, I think that move could ultimately put that team over the top to win the Central Division. Yeah. Uh, Dukes, what else you got? Any uh, Give us some rapid-fire scoops here. Anything Vikings-related? Well, before I get to the Vikings, I do find it fascinating that the Twins made Marcelo Zuna a nice offer. I'll just tell you this much. I don't have all the particulars on, on the exact terms of that offer, but I can tell you the, the Nelson Cruz camp. By the way, Nelson Cruz helped recruit Colome. So after Cruz committed to signing with the Twins, he got on the phone. His cousin, who knows Colome, hopped on the phone. The Cruz, the Cruz folks... Nelly and his cousin ended up talking to Colome and, and told Colome, hey, we're going back to Minnesota. You need to join us. So wow, that's cool. Uh, credit to Nelly for, for helping recruit Colome. Certainly the money helped as much as anything. The, the twins are willing to pay him a decent amount of money, but Nelly helped recruit uh, Colome. But yeah, I mean, on Ozuna, like the, the cruise camp is convinced it was, it was more than one year. Like the twins look like they're only signing guys to one year deals. The cruise camp believes strongly that the offer to Ozuna was more than one year and it was more than what they signed for. So Nelly gets $13 million plus he's got some relatively easy, reachable incentives where he can make an extra couple hundred thousand dollars. But for the most part, it's a, it's a $13 million deal that, that they were offering Ozuna more money than that. 
You know, so that to me is is interesting. It just it falls in line with the Twins making Kirby Yates an offer, you know, making Corey Kluber an offer, making Charlie Morton an offer. Like they've made a lot of free agents offers, and those guys have have said no. John Brebbia, another. I mean, they've made guys offers that have said no. So just for me, that's always fascinating to to hear the backstory on that. Like who are the who are the guys that that you made nice recruiting pitches to that ultimately just didn't choose you, you know? But I just I think the Ozuna one is is really interesting. And you could have made a case at 30 years old that that he would have been a better fit on the field. But I do think there's something to be said off the field, you know, Nelly's influence specifically on Sano, but but all the Latin American players, you know, so Arise, Polanco, you know, even some of the guys in the bullpen, the Kalinas of the world, right? I, I think Nelly, you know, he's he's got those guys in his back pocket. Like they they respect Nelly to the to the nth degree, right? And and I'm not quite sure Marcelo Zuna has those leadership skills, but but on the field, like 30 year old Marcelo Zuna, you can make a case. 30 year old Marcelo Zuna would have been a better fit in the lineup than Nelly Cruz. But but I did find that interesting. On the Vikings, I'll just say this much: it's something you guys have have talked about at length. There are credible NFL people that I know. I texted with one 24 hours ago that truly believe Kirk Cousins is going to end up with the San Francisco 49ers. Speculation. Now, me personally, I think Kirk Cousins is going to be the Vikings quarterback here in 2021. But I'm just telling you, this isn't this isn't made up fodder. Like there are there are legitimate league people talking about this possibility. I'll also say this much: anything you talk about in terms of you know could the Vikings land Deshaun Watson? I'm just telling you this right now with his no trade power. Deshaun Watson would not approve a trade to the Minnesota Vikings. Interesting. With Justin Jefferson here, I mean, okay, if he could pick his coach, then? If, well, if you, I mean, if, maybe. If you those, hey, Deshaun, but, Eric Bieniemy. Yeah, right the now, though, as, as currently constructed with the offense that, that they right. have chosen yeah. to run, I'm just telling you. Yeah, that makes sense. Deshaun Watson would not approve a trade to Minnesota. I mean, I mean, think about this. If you're the Timberwolves, and let's say – all right, you uh, you got a chance to get, and I don't know, pick a player. You got a chance to get uh, Steph Curry three years ago or something, uh, but he's gonna want to he's gonna want a slightly different offensive system and a new coach. I think I think you say, all right, well, Mike, it's been great, nice little seven year run for you, but uh, Eric Bieniemy's uh, Eric Bieniemy's done working for the year for Kansas City here in about three days, so. We'll, we'll That's a lot of money, though. Zim is making north of $7.5 million. Are you really eating all that money, then giving up all the draft capital, potentially player capital? The word is from credible Houston reporters that the Texans are looking for a really good defensive player, if not multiple really good defensive players in any Watson trade. Are you really going to go down that path? I just, I think, I think the whole Watson talk is, is super unlikely. Him accepting a trade here and the Vikings heavily pursuing a Watson trade. I think if they end up trading Cousins, Garoppolo is probably this team's quarterback do, this year, and maybe they end up trying to move up in the draft for somebody. Do not rain on our reckless speculation, Darren. We are we – John, do it's not, not reckless, though. It's really – it's um, it's not. Hey, like, I got one for you People are talking about it. Yeah. Hey, wait, wait, wait. I've got one, and, and I've not told Dex or Phil this, but I've got, I've got a scoop, a possible scoop on air that I'm going to drop on you for you to check on. I heard through a secondary source, so it's not that before the Matthew Stafford trade was made, that let's just say the Los Angeles area coach showed up in Egan at the TCO performance 
center and the availability of Kirk Cousins was asked about. What? That Sean McVay had to make reckless speculation. Now, I need you to check on that. I don't know the validity exactly, but I'm telling you a lot's going on behind the scenes. Well, I think there is a lot going on behind the scenes. Now, full disclosure, you actually texted me that note in the last day or two and asked me to check on it. Yeah. And I've tried and I haven't gotten anywhere. Doesn't mean it's it's not true, but I have not been able to to confirm that the Rams did that. But like Sam Farmer, who's a great reporter for the LA Times, he reported, I trust him. He's been doing this a really long time, has has impeccable sources. He reported that they reached out to the Packers inquiring about Aaron Rodgers. So I wouldn't be shocked if if they at least made a phone call. That would not surprise me at all. Boy, I need a cigarette after this yeah, segment. This is great. Bread. It's great. Oh, but, but the Packers denied it, so it must not be true. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Reckless speculation. All right, that's- Journalism 101. Why is this person lying to me? One other note. I had a nice conversation yesterday with, with former Bison, North Dakota State Bison, Offensive lineman. He went to Becker High School. Dylan Raduns. I hope I'm saying his last name correctly, but but he has a chance to go. Like I don't know, maybe as high as late first round, maybe second round. Like he's not getting past the second round though. He can play. He played left tackle at North Dakota State, but he's got enough position flexibility where he can play guard. He had an unbelievable Senior Bowl week. He said he's he's thought about it. Now I let him in with with a question, but he certainly has thought about the possibility of playing for the hometown Vikings. He thinks the zone blocking scheme fits his skill set perfectly. He did interview with the Vikings down in Mobile, but they they ended up, every player down there ended up talking to, to every team. They ended up uh, via plexiglass. So it was face-to-face, but there was plexiglass separating. Every guy down there interviewed with with every team. So it's not out of the ordinary that, that Dylan interviewed with, with the Vikings. But really impressive kid. I really, really enjoyed my conversation with him yesterday. Hopefully I'll get that on on my next Scoop podcast as well. Also, a Minneapolis South kid, uh, Minneapolis South High School alum, Ellerson Smith, went to Northern Iowa, Sackmaster. He had a really good week in, in Mobile. So we've got a couple of Minnesota kids, Dylan Randuns and, and Ellerson Smith, that have a chance to to certainly get drafted, and in, in, in Dylan's case, pretty high. And then, you know, the combine invitations went out. The combine is not going to be the traditional combine we know, but, but Randuns is in for the combine. Rashad Bateman, no surprise, is in for the Combine. Ben St. Juiced, former Gophers cornerback, is in for the Combine. Nice. That's inside information about your favorite local sports teams. Darren Doogie Wolfson from Five Eyewitness News and the Scoop Podcast. Apple, Spotify, ScoreNorth.com and the ScoreNorth app. We'll see you next week, Doogie. One more note. Paige Beckers, former Hopkins High School star. Yes, my bias because that's that's my home district, but... She had a career-high 32 points last night for UConn. They destroyed St. John's privately. I know people that Gino Ariema, the legendary UConn coach, I know people that Gino has told that, that he believes Paige Beckers will be every bit as good as Diana Taurasi. And Diana Taurasi, any way you want to spin it, is one of the five best female basketball players of all time. That's, awesome. That's how high the ceiling Gino believes is for Paige Beckers. Amazing. That's Doogie. We'll uh, we'll talk to him again next Thursday. And coming up next, the Reckless Speculation Thursday train rolls on with our friend Greeny, Mike Greenberg from uh, Get Up and ESPN Radio. Reckless Speculation. Reckless Speculation. Great talk. Juicy rumors.
in the Minnesota sports media scene. Fans are represented by two different yet equally important groups. The homers who play with positivity and don't like to have fun, and the realists who prosecute the offenders and recklessly speculate. These are their ideas. That's right. It's a reckless speculation Thursday here on Mackie and Judd. And for those of you who live the reckless speculation lifestyle, our next guest really needs no official introduction. Although you can find him on Get Up on ESPN television between 7 and 9 a.m. Central Time. Also on Score North Radio from 9 a.m. to 11 a.m. Central Time. He is also a senior member of the Mackie and Judd Reckless Speculation Club, Mike Greenberg. Welcome to the show, Greeny. Well, thank you. And it's time to play America's favorite game. What bit can Greeny steal from this guy's today? That's right. Um, I have been known to steal bits from you pretty much every time I've been on. So I'm looking forward to seeing what you hit me with today. Well, I guess, you know, we hadn't put a ton of thought into this. I mean, you do come on the show and, and we like to unveil new segments in the hopes that those segments get called up to the major leagues. Um, so I don't know. Just off the top of our heads, how about smoke or fire? Where we throw out various speculative segment uh, uh, statements. I will throw them out to you three guys and then you three can, can kick them around. And you tell me if the speculation is smoke or fire. Judd, you down for this? Absolutely. Are right. you kidding? Greeny, smoke or fire? You ready? Love it. Okay. Aaron Rodgers playing for a new team this upcoming season. Is it smoke or fire? Greeny. <laughs> it's fire, um, which is not to say that it's going to happen, but that it will. Aaron Rodgers is 100% ready to do it if he doesn't get what he wants from the Packers. I think his leverage is such that he will get it, and thus it will not happen. But that does not mean it's smoke. Smoke, to me, would mean it's just the, 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 the reports of it are overstated. I do not think they are overstated. I think Rodgers is holding their feet to the fire uh, <laughs> to stay with the theme. But I think he will ultimately get what he wants. So I don't think he's going someplace else. But I think the story is real. I think it is fire, not smoke. Judd? Can I say this? The, the entire gents' quarterback position among stars in the National Football League is a towering inferno. <laughs> it is all on fire. This is unbelievable. It's fire because everything is Deshaun Watson, Cousins. I mean, you look at what is going on around this league right now. It's as much fun as I've had. I think it's all fire. And I'm telling you, the entire building is burning up, and I'm here for it. Dex, are you smoke or fire? Oh, it's all fire. They already yeah. pissed him off a year ago. You know, he's more upset. Of course it's fire. It's it's it, all fire. It, do, it does kind of feel greeny, and I agree. It's it's fire. I think 2022 is more likely, and then he'll inevitably play for the Vikings and finish what Brett Favre started in 2009, which is going to be amazing. Uh, but it kind, of, it kind of feels like he swallowed some really bitter feelings like a professional when that draft happened with Jordan Love. And as soon as... The, the the call was made to kick a field goal, and they gave the ball back to Tom Brady. It was like, all right, I'm uh, enough of this. I'm I'm not going to swallow these feelings anymore. I completely agree, but that's why I don't agree that he will be on a different team in 2022. I think that what Rodgers is going to demand is some sort of contractual clarity. I think they're going to have to guarantee a bunch of his money going forward so that he will be in control of when he leaves there, not them. Right now, after this coming season, they could move on from him. And I think he's basically saying, you guys made the decision to move on from me when you made that pick last year. I'm now taking control of the timing. I'll decide when that's going to happen. And that's what he's going to demand 
in these, you know, in, in this period of time. I think we will read a story at some point in the next month or two months that they have reworked his contract so he has a bunch more guaranteed money going on beyond next season, and he will stay there and be their quarterback longer. And I think it's ultimately Love who will wind up getting Jimmy Garoppoloed and wind up playing someplace else. <laughs> hey, Mike, off that point, too, the, the person who, who Rodgers and his representatives are going to look at and copy the exact form of the contract is Kirk Cousins. Because the one thing that Cousins has done masterfully is what? Gotten as much guaranteed cash as he possibly can, right? So, like mm-hmm. anything that he wants done, he says, I'll, or that they want done, he says, I'll do it, but you've got to guarantee me more. So, I think the Rodgers camp is going to look at the Cousins precedent and say, We want more, but we want it in the exact same form, which makes it impossible for you to jettison me without it being painful to you. Has anyone ever played the system? as well as Kirk Cousins. Kirk Cousins has made more money playing football in the last five years than any football player ever made in any five-year period in the history of the sport. That'll be surpassed at some point here by Patrick Mahomes and probably by Dak Prescott because Dak Prescott is going to Kirk Cousins them to death down there in Dallas. But no one has ever played it better than he has. I have great respect for that. He is an extraordinarily average player. And he has made more money than anybody ever. And I have, if there's one thing that I have great respect for, it's the ability to figure out how to do that. And he has done it. It's a good segue into our next smoke or fire. So as you can imagine, uh, we've been talking a lot about Kirk Cousins and what the Vikings can and can't do around here. And so our master plan for a few weeks now has been trade Kirk Cousins to San Francisco where Kyle Shanahan, Kyle Shanahan's on the record from a couple of years ago saying that he mourned when Cousins signed with the Vikings because they had such a great relationship in Washington. So trade Kirk Cousins to the quarterback-hungry San Francisco 49ers for like a second or a third, whatever you can get. And then the Vikings should turn around and trade all of their first-round picks in perpetuity for Deshaun Watson. So that that's our plan. But my smoker fire for you is San Francisco has been in on Rodgers, Stafford, uh, there's been things floating around this week about their connection to Kirk Cousins. So is is Kirk Cousins to San Francisco smoke or fire in your mind? Smoke. 100% smoke. Kyle Shanahan can say whatever he wants, but the quarterback that he wants and is going to ultimately get, I think, is Matt Ryan. I think Matt Ryan is going to, is much likelier to wind up in San Francisco. The, 49, the, um, the Falcons are starting over with a new coach, a new general manager, a new era, time to turn the page. They have the fourth pick in the draft. I think they may trade up to the second pick in the draft and take a quarterback, and I think that it is likelier that Matt Ryan winds up in San Francisco than it is Kirk Cousins. Mm-hmm. I think we all agree it's fire here, right? We disagree with Greeny. Mike's Mike's right, but but I am so far down this path now that I'm going fire. <laughs> I'm too invested. I'm on the look, look. I am so far down the path. I got to go fire, or else I look like a complete fraud on the show. Yeah, I mean, like part of it is like we we brought we theorized about this when the Vikings were one and five, and we went back and found the the Kyle Shanahan quotes, and we were like, in, in November we we put on an episode of our show. And now that it's sort of coming to fruition, it feels like we're we're kind of pot committed at this point. Uh, so we'll see what happens. All right, smoke or fire? Deshaun Watson to your Jets, Greeny. I definitely think it's fire to the extent that that it's one of the places that are a possibility, and that is exclusively because the Jets have have as much to give up as any team 
in the league. They, they, the Jets have five first-round picks in the next two years. So if they're willing to part with most or even all of that, then there's no team in the league, including Miami or anyone, that can put together as attractive um, a package in, in return as the Texans. Uh, excuse me, as the Jets can. The, the part of it that I find inexplicable is that people say, I, no one has, I mean, I haven't spoken to him about this. People say that the Jets are one of the places Deshaun Watson would be willing to go. For the life of me, I have no idea why. If I were Deshaun Watson, that's one of the last places I'd want to go. They have, they have total dysfunction in the front office. They have a new coaching staff, which is completely unproven. They're coming off having had the worst coaching I've ever seen in my life. The team stinks. They have no weapons. They have a terrible offensive line. So for the life of me, I have no idea why he'd want to go there. But people say he does. So if that's true, and the Jets have all that to give up for him, to me that has to be fire. Yeah. What about you, Judd? It's fire for sure. Yeah. It, it's fire, yeah. Um, but, again, I'm telling you, I have never had this much fun recklessly speculating, Mike, about possibilities here. Like the quarterback carousel right now is endless. It's, it is. It, it's delicious. It's turn, I mean, for, for literally decades – Quarterbacks in their prime, the good ones, never went anywhere. They just either stayed with the same team or, or or an injury would happen like Dante Culpepper or something. But it is morphing into the NBA in front of our eyes where like Deshaun Watson might as well be taking a page out of the NBA superstar blueprint or, or book here, Mike. Correct. But without the downside, I think. The downside of that for the NBA is that the NBA is like what would happen if Deshaun Watson, Patrick Mahomes, and Lamar Jackson all decided to go play on the same team, yeah. which for obvious reasons, they won't. Um, uh, so, so that won't happen in pro football. So it won't completely destroy the competitive balance. What's happened in the NBA is these guys have all decided to team up. So 20, I mean, I'm, I'm just throwing a rough number out there. Between 18 and 22 of the teams in the NBA just feel completely irrelevant. They, can, they feel irrelevant to their own fans, and they feel insanely irrelevant to the fans of the teams that are good that have to watch them play them every night. You can't find two good NBA games a day ever anymore because all of the good players are on like six teams. But that won't happen in football because of the hard salary cap and in any, any number of other reasons. So I think you get some of the positive nature of, of player movement without the really big downside of player movement. So I I agree with you. It has become very much like the NBA, but I think mostly in good ways. Yeah. All right. Last one for you here. Last one for you. Smoke or fire? Uh, I don't know. We've been just sort of in and out of Twitter all day. And at one point there was like a friend of Andrew Luck's wife who sent some screenshots of tweets that he might be talking to Jim Irsay. Um, and now it's making the rounds around uh, the aggregators. So, He's 31 years old, smoke or fire, Andrew Luck coming back to play football at some point in the next couple of years. I hope it's smoke. I, I talked about this on the radio the other day when I saw a story in the, in the Indy paper. I want to say it was towards the end of last week. Look, the Indianapolis Colts are exactly Andrew Luck away from being a Super Bowl team. Yeah. Andrew Luck retired at 29. He's still only 31, as you say. And there, if he's ever going to do it, this is the exact moment to do it. They are 180 degrees away from what they were. They were horribly mismanaged by a terrible general manager who sent them out there like a lamb to the slaughter 
whatever it is that gets slaughtered. I never get that right. <laughs> whatever it is that gets led to the slaughter. Is a lion? What gets slaughtered? What, that, what is a matter? Whatever it is that gets led to the slaughter. He there you was, go, right? Yeah. As opposed to now, where they've built a team with an outstanding offensive line. They have good weapons, two good running backs, Super Bowl caliber defense, and, and they have $60 million in, in, in cap space to get better with. That's outstanding general managing. So this guy, Chris Ballard, is awesome at his job. He's exactly what Ryan Grigson wasn't. And if, if Andrew Luck is ever going to do it, this is the time. So I think that there is smoke, and, and maybe that's with my heart as much as my head, because I would like to see him come back. Yeah, it would be so much fun. Let's go fire. Let's go fire here. I mean, you know what? What, what would beat throwing Andrew Luck into an equation where – we already have guys who are going to be traded and going elsewhere. It'd be great to, to have a potential Hall of Fame QB just decide to drop back in. Hey, this looks like fun. Yep. Yeah, this is great. Oh, we got a competent GM now, and I feel healthy and refreshed. This is great. Reckless speculation. Greeny, you can find him on Score North Radio here in the Twin Cities, 9 to 11 a.m. Central Time. Uh, by the way, do you just like do you just sprint over to a side studio right after your TV show is over? Was just someone no, just hands I, you a coffee or what? I roll six feet to my right. I sit at the same <laughs> desk. I roll six feet to my right. I say goodbye to get up. I roll six feet to the right. <laughs> 60 seconds later, I say back and better than ever, and away we go. <laughs> and everyone, I hope you will tune in tomorrow to hear the debut edition of Smoke or Fire on my radio show. That, that, that is unquestionably going to become a staple. I love it. We keep getting we keep getting our segments called up to the big leagues. We're like the twins feeding into the Red Sox uh, system or something. All right, Mackie and Judd, Reckless Speculation Thursday. Mike Greenberg, we'll do it again sometime soon, man. Thank you. Always a pleasure. Thanks for having me, guys. All right, that's, uh, that's Greeny. He's become a friend of the show and a senior member of the Mackie and Judd Reckless Speculation Club. It's been... Uh, but good. He, I think he's stolen like three segments from us now. It's not even stealing anymore. He stole the first one. He stole he stole yeah. reckless speculation a year ago. He did. Now he now he comes on and we test these segments out and, and then he uses them. The best part was was though he stole it and and it was great and he loved it and then like Keyshawn was like what the hell is this Yeah they were like What's this segment uh, pl- I don't like I this segment plausible deniability I think was one That's where they right. were like he brought it up and like yes I think Jay Will was on that day and they were like, like this is stupid what are, what are we doing. <laughs> <laughs> That's just all these guys in Minneapolis, St. Paul do. Yeah. They have a PhD in reckless speculation. Reckless speculation. Football. I just like hitting that football soundbite, but this is the real one that we need to get here for all tweets exposed. Uh, Declan digs up tweets going back into the archives. So you were able to go back into the archives, at least for some of these, because you were having trouble last week going into the Twitter archives. I right. thought that was true. Um, I, I think what happened was because I was like trying to search for at 1500 Judd, that thing wasn't there anymore, but I think it has now all migrated to the at Jay Zolgad's. So when you tweet at Jay Zolgad and you want a keyword, it oh, okay. will bring up his tweets. So he can't he can't days. run from stuff that he tweeted in 2011. Correct. I think the only one that is blocked is his, uh, or some of the ones that are blocked are the strib strib ones when he had the access Vikes. Yeah, that's. Oh. I think that's gone. Or that's, yeah, I'm not trying to. I'm not trying to run here, boys. Okay. I'm not trying. I'm right here. I'm right here. Right. No, for sure. Bring it along. I, I get it. <laughs> I'm like Jerry Lawler. What? <laughs> what are you talking about? All right. So uh, what do we got this week, Declan? <laughs> All right. So uh, this is a great timeline. Phil Mackey here. Oh man! So we're gonna start. This is Jimmy Garoppolo edition of old. Oh my god! It's exposed. I used to really think highly of Jimmy. Okay, Garoppolo. so first Jimmy Garoppolo take. 
February 5th, 2017. And this is a fine, this is a fine tweet. This, we, this was right after uh, 2016. Time for Jimmy Garoppolo, February 5th. So, two, so 2016 was that the Brad, that was the Bradford year, right? And you know what? Now that I really think about it, was February 5th, 2017, the Super Bowl when possibly the Patriots were down big against the Falcons, oh, and you were that's, yeah, that's right. and that's probably what you are thinking. So this works oh, twofold. Okay, so yeah. this was yeah, I just yeah. realized this. So this was a this was a, a troll tweet at halftime of the Super Bowl when the Patriots were getting their asses kicked. It probably was. And I and I oh my somewhat jokingly, but not fully jokingly, said, "Is it time for Jimmy Garoppolo to come in?" I mean, that I, works too. Hilarious. This, this, that works. Great. Can't believe it only got twenty three likes. What's wrong with you people? Yeah, for real. We'll pick up on Sunday, satire. Typically, you know, you'd like to short think shelf that, uh... life, dude. That's the problem. Halftime tweet, short shelf life. Jimmy Garoppolo. It's a system, though. It's a Belichick system. Jim- Jimmy Garoppolo would have completed the four touchdown comeback too. All right, second, second of three tweets from Phil on Jimmy Garoppolo. Okay. September 9th. 2018. <laughs> it's my, my John Gruden voice here. Yeah. Jimmy, Jimmy G, G can play, can play man. man. Yeah, Jimmy can play, G man. can play. Okay. Can play, man. Okay. So this must have been when uh, Brady, can... I think, was suspended, right, for Deflate Gate. This probably was like week one, week two of, was the, of the 2018 season, I'm I guessing. I thought he was in San Francisco by this point, actually. He might have been. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I think he, he was. Trade. Okay, yeah. okay. So that's the second of the tweet. And I'll tell you, I mean, oh. nothing is factually incorrect about that no. tweet. He is capable of playing football. Yeah, Jimmy Garoppolo. Sure, sure, absolutely. You know, Very attractive. What, what, find me Very the and man. the final Jimmy Garoppolo tweet from Phil Mackey recently, January thirty first, twenty twenty one. Zero interest <laughs> in Jimmy G. Only draft picks and cap freedom. Now the second part of that tweet. Okay, get down with. But zero interest in Jimmy G. After. Uh, Climbing for him for it to come into the game in the Super Bowl, saying he can play, and no zero interest. Now I've in moved. I've Jimmy moved off. Garoppolo. I think I've said more incriminating things too on a microphone. I used to be True. a big fan. Like when he played for the Patriots, and then he came over, and they. I think they won like six games with him after they made the trade, and like they looked really good. And he was mobile, and he looks like Superman. I don't know. I was. I was. I was in on Jimmy. All right. All right. This isn't as damning on Jimmy G necessarily, but this is a ranking from Judd Zolgad that I found from January 13th, 2018. I'll try to zoom in a little bit more so you can see there, Judd. Did my NFL quarterback rankings on Mackie and Judd today. (laughs) Top 10 were one Brady, two Rodgers, three Breeze, four Big Ben, all right, five Wilson, Six yep. staff. Oh wow! Seven oh, Matt I'd, Ryan. I'd oh my yep. guy Rivers is eight Rivers. Oh man! Nine Carson Wentz. Oh, Ten Jimmy G. No. I had cousins behind Watson and Dak. That part is correct. I would have still cousins behind Watson and Dak, but Jimmy G. Boy. and oh. Wentz ahead of cousins. Judd Zolgat. Oh, oh my man, goodness! Man down, talk Dude, show host down. Imagine oh, if, if General Manager Judd, when he tweeted this, had the option of all right, it's. Deshaun Watson is door number one, or you can pick some of these other guys. He's like, no, we're rolling with Jimmy G. And Carson How, did, Carson how did I get Phil's guy, old man River, so high on my ranking? He must have convinced really you. He must have convinced you. Yeah, because yeah, you, your, your takes were very honed at the time when it comes to Phillip Rivers. One of, the, one, of the great, one of the great quarterbacks in, our, in American history. Okay, so yeah. I don't have a criminally te- uh, criminal tweet against Jimmy G. I can say I'm not a fan of him. However, senior year college of Declan did say on September 24th, 2014, <laughs> at 12.23 p.m., so probably wasn't drinking, probably is the key word, I love Jimmy G. So it's like in college? Period. was Must have been, yeah. This was his prop. Or was it 
No, because he was drafted the Teddy draft, right? I'm and just looking Teddy, I believe, was drafted in 2014. So oh, Jimmy wow. G was he was a second round pick in 2014. So he must have come What's in. What's the timestamp on this? 12:23. So this was like so first. He had been he had been drafted. So you're watching. He must. Have oh, come you know in. what? Did he come into a game then? Let me he, see. He, he must have come in because this is a he noon did. game. <laughs> so it must have been. I must. There must have been a Patriots game on CBS or or something. And Jimmy Garoppolo, I come in for Tom Brady. Brady that, give me the date again. September twenty first. 21st, 2014. So probably like week three or four of the NFL Super season. Super weird. Okay, so here is Jimmy G's game log in 2014. He played on September 29th. He threw a 6 of 7 in a blowout loss when the Patriots got smoked by the Chiefs and everyone thought the Patriots were done. That was that was six years ago now. Um, then he played again on October 5th. And then he played again on October 26th. But why did I tweet this on the 21st? Because you were drunk. Had, oh, I, probably, no. I guarantee you, you were drunk. Was it? A, no, it wouldn't have been preseason. He had not played no. in an NFL game at this something point. Something must have happened. <laughs> there must have been like something yeah. funny in the sidelines or something. And I Was probably, he dating strippers at the time? I probably was a Bloody Mary in at, at a St. Claude establishment. You so were at the red carpet, dude. Just I probably was. Okay, you I were was hammered. at the carpet. I was at the carpet. Red carpet's back, baby. Right, Barstool fun. Hey, Barstool fun. Way to go, Portnoy. I'm Portnoy, yeah. man. Brought Unbelievable. It back. So, Unbelievable. All right. Well, that's uh, old tweets exposed here. All right, who 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 wins? Who is the most incredible? One of you two. I'm out here. Oh, I think it's, I think it's be, Judd. It's got to be I Judd. I think it's yeah. Judd, too. I, I, I love the, the timeline. The three-part tweet from Phil is impressive. I mean, yeah. Judd, but Judd literally had Matt Stafford as the sixth best quarterback in the NFL two years ago. And Carson Wentz ahead of Kirk Cousins and well, Kirk Carson Wentz deserved it at the time. Stafford, sure. I'm not sure about. Rivers, I'm really not sure what I was doing. <laughs> so, Wentz, right. I'm okay with back then. That's a wrap on Reckless Speculation Thursday here. And uh, don't forget, Purple Daily, Daily Vikings Discussions, Apple, Spotify, ScoreNorth.com, the ScoreNorth app, and YouTube. Jared Allen. Jared Allen, you're going to be able to find him on the show. Uh, we actually just recorded an interview with him and his flowing, glowing mullet. So be sure to subscribe. See you guys for Action Movie Rewind tomorrow. At the Home Depot, we have plenty of Christmas trees to make your holidays even more magical. Hundreds of full, easy-to-assemble artificial trees that look so real, you may be convinced they actually are. And for those who love that fresh pine smell, we have a parking lot full of fresh-cut trees to call your own. We'll even help you load your tree in the car so you can bring home the holidays. The Home Depot. How doers get more done.